The Rice to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by L.L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, and Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours with the free Ricky upgrade at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, and then send your pictures of your process pup and his or her new Big Barker to writes2rickysanchez at gmail.com so we can feature them on the website. On today's show, we waited long enough. It was threatened before. It was the TJ game, full on. So expect one of those. It's going to be one of those podcasts. Also, good time to tell you that the very special Process or Die playoff Writes to Ricky Sanchez shirt is only available for eight more days. Uh, get that at writesrickysanchez.com. And the lottery party is eight days away. We pray, pray that there will be no Sixers at the lottery party because they'll be too busy at the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the timeline's on the website, and we will be sending out an email with all of that information coming up this week. Without any further ado, here is Run the Jewels. We are the murderous pair. Dead with the jail, and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Rice and Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who likes going on long walks and whatever. That is Mike Levin. Hi, Mike. You know, it's a, you don't get as much credit for your uh, for your descriptions as I do for my L. Pavorsky ones, but man, when you phone him in, you phone him in just like I do. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth, man. Look, here, I have some instructions for anyone listening to this podcast right now. I really only need a few people. Here's what I need. If you are in a committed relationship right now, and it would need to be a male-female committed relationship, right after the podcast, I want you and your partner to go make a baby, and in nine months, when that baby comes out, I want you to name that baby Timothy John, and I want you to send us a copy of the birth certificate so we can post it on the website. If you are wow. not in a committed relationship or not ready to have a child, I want you tomorrow, as long as you are financially able and responsible, to go adopt a dog or a cat from a local animal shelter. And I want you to name that dog or cat TJ, and I want you to send us proof of that. This is uh, what we've all been waiting for. Finally, the TJ game happened. I I gotta be honest with you, man. Like, like watching that live, he looked like he somebody was pressing the turbo button. Like the entire fucking game. I loved it, man. It was awesome. Uh, we're gonna win the goddamn series. <laughs> <laughs> start start starting off hot. Not building to it. Not gonna build to We're it. Get, We're no, start no, right no, no, no. You get a uh, one of my idols is a, a runner. This guy named Dean Carnazis. He's like an ultra marathon runner. And what his track coach told him when he was younger is come out hard, hard and finish harder. And that's what we're gonna do, baby. We're gonna come out hard and finish harder. I loved it. I loved it, man. That game was ugly as shit, but we won it. And uh, 
and it was uh, a great TJ game. I mean, that was unbelievable. I can't, I can't even believe it. There was at one point the crowd was chanting, like crowds chanting "Trust the process," and there's TJ McConnell uh, leading the Sixers over the Celtics in a backs against the wall, you know, elimination game for the Sixers. It was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a good one. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad they won. I would have been yeah. upset if yeah, they lost. Too. I would have spun it. I would have spun it to to get in Ben Simmons's head and talk about his jump shot. That's going to happen. But I'm happier to be talking about a win. It would have been a real bummer for a lot of reasons. But just to never get to see this team play again or this iteration of this team play again, because you don't know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if somebody oh yeah you know, pays to steal TJ away or somebody gets hurt or anything so i hope you know hopefully it'll get better from here but you never know so we're trying to just appreciate it all and uh it's good to get another win it feels my heart is full tj i mean look everybody's gonna say all the same like scrappy white point guard bullshit but he's not that i mean he is but he's he's an elevation from that he's a real nba player he knows how to play the game he's athletic He's quick, and he gets the spots, and he makes things happen. He's the only team. He, he's the only guy on the team that can penetrate and get to the rim in the half court. He's the only guy, and he did it a fucking shitload tonight, and that's why they won. That and the fact that they had very few turnovers. TJ himself zero turnovers in thirty nine minutes. Uh man, nineteen seven and five on nine of twelve shooting. One very important three. Um. I'm laughing just talking about it, man. I love him. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. It, well, it was a uh, shit. I, um, I, it's gonna be one of those where I can't, I can't find the words again. Um, the, just the idea that the the lineup change was to get two things. Two things about this. The one thing is that the big lineup change is to get TJ McConnell in the starting lineup. But the other part of that being that pretty much everyone would agree who has watched this series at all that getting TJ McConnell on the court more. I don't even feel like I'm being like I know TJ was the, did the the first ever live pod and we love him and you know like we oscillate between loving him in our way and like loving him when he's actually good and all of that kind of stuff. But the fact that at this point everyone who was watching this series would have to agree that getting him on the court more was necessary for them to win or would re- really behoove them to win. And just watching this entire series, knowing that the team has looked better when he's on the floor. And tonight was no exception. You know, like they, I mean, the, the way that uh, he abused Rogier defensively, like Rogier couldn't guard him. It looked like he went by him uh, any time that he, he wanted to, especially in the second half. And the annoyance that he's he is on defense, even when he gets switched on to Tatum, you know, I don't, uh, I didn't even, I wasn't even bothered when when Tatum was on him, and Tatum has probably eight inches on him or something like that. And then when you add in reach, it's crazier than that. I don't know. I know I'm, I'm fanboying out a little bit on this one, but he, uh, 
it's it's a really incredible story, I think, for him to be in that position and for him to come through on it. And I don't think any of us would have doubted that he was going to come through in that situation. I think, you know, I don't know that we were all sure that they would have won the game, but as far as his performance, I had no, I no, there was no doubt in my mind that he was going to bring it tonight. No doubt in my mind at all. I mean, we there's there's a lot to talk about. We're going to milk this for all it's worth. But he, you were you said it, like covering Tatum, he might have again not not seeing the stats in front of me. It seemed like he bothered Tatum more than anybody else did. Tatum got Simmons a couple times. Tatum obviously abused Bellinelli. Uh, Covington played better on him tonight, but still, like, got, got, you know, gets, Tatum gets that first step on him. And TJ doesn't let that happen. I mean, obviously, he's going to be able to shoot over him, but I'm fine if every one of their shots is a contested two. And that's sort of. And Boston, like, hit a bunch of those tonight. Like, that's. It seemed like everybody was hitting tough shots, and they, but they just didn't get as many easy ones. And so. The defense, and it, again, it started from TJ and started from actually Embiid's uh, real hustle and, and just relentlessness in the first half. They play better. The whole team play better. They, they, they play better when TJ's in the court. He was a, they're, they're like a plus 40-something in minutes TJ's on the court this series, in a series that they're down 3-1. He played 39 minutes. Him and Dario each played 39 minutes. Uh... TJ hadn't played more than 20 in how long? I'm looking right now. In the last game of the season against Milwaukee, he hadn't played 30 since the next game, February 12th. He's, it's been a lot of minimal TJ. So for the fact that he can, he can come out and play and like an hour before game time, find out he's starting and get 39 minutes and not look like he's tired at all at any point in the game. Not for a second. In, not for a not second. For a second. And in like fact, like, gain momentum in the third quarter and have, like, what, seemingly, like, three out of four or five possessions when he just got right to the rim. There was one time when he kicked it out for a Covington three. He should have finished it. But other than that, he really did do a lot of finishing at the rim. It's beautiful, man. Some pi- There's some pivoting. There was some just extending. It was, it was the whole batch. We got – his game started off with a – and one at the uh, at the elbow, the jumper was yep. working. The three, man, T.J. McConnell, God bless him. Well, I think we all know it's a lot easier to do the Willie Green Five Star Apple Podcast review after a win, isn't it? Sure is. It really is. One thousand five hundred sixty-four five star reviews. We need two thousand. Get on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Give us a five star rating and review. Here is today's review. This comes from Jay Shambaz. The subject line is the epitome of ill-advised fandom, which won me over. I've been listening to the Ricky sporadically over the course of about three years. As a Hornets fan, I would only really tune in during important events in the Sixer season throughout the more difficult days of the process. But starting around the All-Star break this year, I've listened to every episode, hearing Spike and Mike discuss discuss the emotions roller coaster this team has put them on through all com- through through all culminating in the late season with the win streak and the first round victory over the heat helps me keep faith in my own NBA team, hoping that one day I'll be able to tell my friends that bailed quote, you were wrong. Um, That's nice. I like that one. Really? Yeah. I I like that. I, you know, NBA uh, fans are weird in that 
it seems like I hear from a good bit, like obviously most of the people that listen to the podcast are Sixers fans, but I, I feel like I hear from a good bit of people who are not, I would never think to listen to another team podcast. Like that isn't my favorite team, but I think people do it. It's strange. I wouldn't um, listen to this podcast. No, I would. I've never, I've never, I've never heard this podcast. I don't even know that when I post the audio, it actually goes anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> and then you leave the you leave the claps in. Yes, I, sometimes I do leave the, the claps in. So the uh, I do. You got me. I I I go back and fix it. But there are some people with the uh, it's like the error card, the baseball card error card that they get before <laughs> they fix it. Um, so when you talk about the TJ game, actually. You have to now. Unfortunately, Brett Brown wasn't there at the game tonight. Um, only coaches the losses. Kind of a weird move. Only coaches the losses. But you you have to go back to him. Actually, I, I think there were a couple of adjustments. First of all, there is the 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 adjustment putting TJ in the starting lineup for Covington, and uh, I thought that took balls putting TJ in the starting lineup because I think yeah. it. I think it it takes balls for a number of reasons. It takes balls because he's TJ McConnell, right? I mean, like they're having trouble scoring points, and he's taking out a guy who theoretically can shoot threes and putting in a guy who can't, you know, just in theory. You're putting in undrafted free agent backup point guard guy. And I think in another way, you're taking a chance because you're putting in a guy who plays the same position as your— high-profile, um, you know, best or second-best player, depending on who you talk to. So I thought it took a lot of guts for Brett to put TJ in, um, but I thought it did two things. First of all, it, as, as you mentioned and, and we talked on the last pod, it gave them somebody who could get to the rim and sort of create some offense on his own. And the other thing it did was I thought putting Covington, having Covington come off the bench gave the illusion— that we were deeper than we were. Like, hmm. all of a sudden, there was a wing that came off the bench that could guard, you yeah. know? Um, and I think it, uh, it there was another point later in the game where Covington was at the four, um, which you don't see that much with mm-hmm. the normal rotation. You know, we didn't see that much at all this year. And I thought it, it changed the feel of the game enough to where, like, um, I thought it evened things out a little bit, you know? And I thought, um, I, I don't know, I, th- I thought it was a really, you know, obviously it feels better because it, it they won and they played well, but I thought it, it made a difference. And I thought they made a concerted effort to try to get to the rim, too. Um, now having TJ in the game 40 minutes and he's going to try to do that helps, but I thought it did a lot. It was, it was a ballsy move by Brett Brown and, um, it was a nice little middle finger to everyone who forgot the entire season and forgot the first round of the playoffs, um, and wanted Brett Brown to get fired because he, you know, cause they were losing to the Celtics. So it's true. It's truly dumb. It's truly, truly dumb that they want him to get fired. And some people are always going to want to fire the coach. And that's just like an easy thing to say, as if there's this un- never-ending well of great coaches that always make the decisions you want to make and that you have a good sense of rotations. Like, I can disagree with Brett a lot. I do. I think Justin Anderson should play more in the series. I think Marco Bellinelli should play less. I wish they ran more pick and roll. But there's no perfect coach out there. Like, even if we had Brad Stevens, I'd be like, 
the watching like NBA reporters like just suck his dick is just uh, upsetting. I don't even like it. I wouldn't even like that if he was our coach. Like it's obnoxious to a point where I'm physically ill. And I loved him getting a technical foul. It in, I enjoyed it very much. He's rattled. We're in his head. Fuck him. Brett's great. <laughs> We're going to do this fucking thing. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot to talk about. I think um, I think it, I agree that it was a ballsy move, and I wouldn't have really necessarily thought of it because you don't think of, you know, putting another point guard for our, who, like, doesn't necessarily take – many outside shots for our uh, best wing defender, you know, spot shooter that opens the court up a lot. But, you know, the way the series has been going, you need another ball handler. They need a guy to initiate. Simmons has had struggles this this game, this uh, series, obviously. And I think lightening the load on him was a little bit nice. Obviously, he still uh, had the ball in his hands a lot. And he played okay, played okay to pretty good, I would say. Uh, still seems a little bit in his head about what he wants to do and when to attack and when not to. But I think he got – he was on the receiving end of a couple very easy passes where he could just yep. go up and dunk it. And I think that helped get him going, a little positive momentum going his way. I tweeted about it, but there's, there's this thing. He, so he drives – so fast he's so going downhill and that's it gets the guys on their on their heels but there's the Celtics are long enough to where they can still like get a hand in his face or get up there and when he does when he takes one more dribble inside to like pivot and just get a dunk it's so much when he slows himself down enough to do that versus when he just sort of flies in and like absorbs a little bit of contact and then sort of like fades away with like a looping hook and yeah. that's like he he is capable of hitting those shots, but they're a significantly lower percentage than just one more dribble, like a pump fake and a pivot, and then just going up for dunks. And I think that's he he was he played more. Obviously, there were times when when he struggled and 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 looked unsure of himself, but for a lot of the game, he he was playing more within himself. And whether that was finding guys or uh, or finding good openings underneath. And I think TJ being in there to like take some of the pressure off him and, and initiate the offense, uh, and and let Simmons' guy double off him so Simmons could just receive receive the pass for a dunk. I think that helped a lot. Yeah, well, and and Simmons has to continue to because the best iteration of this team is with there being another guy, regardless of what you say his position is, another guy on the court who is who you're running offense through as well. It's not just Simmons. He can't be the only guy. And when that happens, Simmons is going to have to figure out what to do when he doesn't have the ball. And, you know, we hope that in the future that one of those things is is shoot it. But, um, you know, to one of your favorite things, you know, him cutting and moving off the ball and – and those sorts of things will, will help open things up. And he's going to need to do that because when this team is at its best, and no matter who that other person is, whether it is a free agent or a trade or Markel Fultz or whoever it is, somebody else is going to be running offense. And they're not just going to be switching, you know, who's in the game. 
you know, they're both going to be in the game when that happens, and he's he's going to to need to figure out how to do that. And I thought he did that a little bit today. He has a tendency to sort of stand there when he doesn't have the ball, but um, yeah. But and, I, and even I when he does he have the ball, sometimes he's still watching to wait for people to cut. He was like in the post one time, maybe like twelve feet out, back to the basket, wasn't even looking at the basket, just waiting for somebody to cut. And it's like, I get that that's the offense, we're motion offense, but if if you're eliminating the idea that you're going to shoot it or take it to the basket, then that makes the defense's job so much easier. And I think we're still figuring out how to best use him and how to figure everybody else's skills out together. But I think it's pretty clear that the team operates better at this point again in this particular series, just matchup-wise, with TJ in there to put pressure on him and Simmons to be able like a... They sort of change of pace each other. You know, like in baseball... They have starting pitchers that are like, oh, this guy's this, and then we bring in the reliever, and he's and he's junk ball. And so it's like the guys that are the other team that are batting, they're like, they have to like change them out or change their person, change what their approach is. And so being able to do that in basketball at the same time of having two guys that can change the speed and and have different looks out there while their shooters sort of filling the gaps or Embiid rolling down the lane, that makes us really hard to defend. And so again. It'd be very nice if Markel Fultz was the guy doing this and being a three-level scorer and being able to pass in the pick and roll and stuff. We're not there yet, but TJ's ha- has some of those skills, and especially if he's hitting his mid-range, then he ma- he makes it. He's a tough. He's a tough cover, and he's relentless, and I love him. Yeah, the relentlessness is is for sure. Uh, that's it. <laughs> I can't believe that happened tonight. Um, they started off way more active defensively um the shots were not falling in the beginning and it made me it made me nervous when the game is if the game at the end of the first quarter is like 23 to 22 or whatever it is that that seems like a celtics score it doesn't seem like the score of a game that we're going to win but uh sort of led by tj on the ball and Embiid defensively in the beginning of the game there was definitely a renewed energy i thought um i also like the fact look you know um and these are things overall i think i see the game better on tv than i do there because i i don't know like i I, i'm distracted when i'm at the game but there are things that they don't show on tv that you see and one of the things that i worried about was you know i care there are a few guys on the team that i think we care about the most and uh tj obviously one of them but covington's a guy that i will always like love he's my favorite player on the team and him not starting for tj i was like oh well that's gotta feel shitty especially after the third game but there he is um one of the things that amir johnson does is right before tip as all the guys are coming to center court he stands right at center court by the scorer's table and gives everyone high fives as they're coming onto the court and hypes everyone up. And Covington was there doing it um, before the game tonight. And I thought that was cool, you know, because I was worried. I was like, ah, maybe he's bummed that he's not starting. But I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a good moment that he was out there doing that. Yeah, the, uh, Brett and TJ both talked about how much of a professional he was about it and how he just was like, Cove told TJ, like, go get yours, go make an impact, go make a difference. And that's awesome. Like, I, I don't think... For the future of this team, TJ should be starting in this game in, in, going forward. But for in this particular series, that they need a guy. I think like, here's what worked out. Obviously, if you look at the scores of this series, 
the Sixers have been mostly in this. They didn't score. They didn't run them out of the gym. Like, they still missed a ton of shots. And that's actually inspiring to me that the Sixers uh, won a game by 11 when they shot 27% from three. And the the reason they won this game was because of defense. Like, TJ stopped Terry Rozier for the most part. Rozier was a minus 14 in 39 minutes. He was 4 of 11 from the field. He had 11 points and his first turnover in seemingly like a month. Uh, he played not terribly, but he didn't initiate the offense as much as he has in the past, and that slowed them down. And if they, if TJ being able to stay in front of Terry for the most part allowed everybody else to stay home against Baines and Horford, uh, who combined to shoot. Aaron Baines was two for six from three. He didn't. He's not a three-point shooter. It's crazy that all of a sudden he's this guy. Uh, Horford shot 0 of one from three, and him not getting those open looks and not being able to like spread us out started from TJ locking up Rozier for the most part. And so they still got their looks from Tatum doing what he does because he's a good isolation scorer and he can get to the rim and he can ha- hit tough shots for sure. Marcus Smart catches fire somehow and can get to the rim and hit floaters and that was frustrating. But like, sure, those are the ways you're going to beat you. And Marcus Morris can hit those annoying step backs from like 18, fine. He had a couple threes also, fine. But if those aren't super effective ways at score. playing basketball, yeah. they the Boston got 16 assists tonight. 16. That's not their team. The Sixers took them out of what they wanted to do, and it all started from TJ locking up Rozier and not allowing the other stuff to happen. Yeah, he... Uh, um... Oh, the Baines thing. I want to go back to the Baines thing. He, you know, watching that game with him shooting that corner three. So he he made what four three pointers all year. He's he. It's not something that he does. It's a. Uh, it's hard to figure out what to do defensively. I think when they have Baines and Horford out there, and Baines is sitting in the corner for threes because then when they're doing that and he hits that shot you have no choice but to like that really fucks up the Embiid thing yeah it really does you know and I I still think you have to trust and I think for the most part they did that I still think you have to trust the the numbers and just say go ahead and shoot it I mean I'm not saying to stare at them but I don't think you can close out on them and because that I think overall, I will live with him making two out of six three pointers. Then you know, in, in the corner, I think you you have to do that. But it's it makes it tough when you have two big guys and they can both shoot. The best, the most rewarding part of the game was when Brad Stevens put in Greg Monroe. Mm. Yes. Yep. I really I really like that. That was like, oh, yeah. we're gonna win this game. That's great. Yep. That's what you're doing. That's what the genius is doing over there. Is throwing in Greg Monroe. That'll yeah. work. Well. You know, sometimes uh, a newcomer like Brad Stevens doesn't know how to match up. He just got out coached. He didn't know how to match up with a true professional like Brett Brown. So he did get out coached uh, today, by the way. He did. He, he straight yeah, up did. He did. Brett Brett kept going inside, and Dario made him pay. Absolutely, he, Dario finally. Like I was worried that I said on the last pod that. I think the playoffs and this kind of team are, are tough for Dario because they have the length and the strength to stay with him. Um, but he got low enough and sort of just clumpy flumped his way in there. And he has enough touch inside when he slows himself down to 
to do his thing. Got to the line six times. Stepped into a three. Nine of 17 for 25 points. Eight boards, four assists. Stealing a block, no turnovers. Dario Sharts. I mean, that's that's huge. They needed they needed that kind of stability from a performance where because Embiid still kind of struggled to get his shot, although he got a couple easy ones off off TJ passes and off a couple Ben passes. Um, he still struggled to to quite get his down low. Horford made made life tough for him. Uh, knowing that you can get the ball into Dario and he can make some things happen. And you're probably going to get a bucket or a good a good look at something. Really stabilize the offense, and and there weren't too many long stretches. And this is part TJ, part Dario of of when they're kind of just clueless out there, and there's just one like one quick pass to a shot, and it's ugly. Like it seemed the offense, even though they only scored 103 points, like pretty average. They'd still missed. They shot 40 percent from the field, 27 percent from three. Uh, they didn't turn the ball over, which is huge. But this it, it never felt like truly stagnant, truly clueless basketball, which they have had spurts of in the past. And I think being able to have a rock inside in Dario is really helpful. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk more about Dario, but first let's take a break to talk about Mike. Our newest sponsor is big Barker dog beds. You know, people hear about dog beds, right? And they think they hear about them, but they're not really beds the ones that they think about, unless they're thinking about Big Barker. I'm being honest about that. Most of the beds are, they're like, they're sort of like glorified pillows or blankets. And you buy these beds, pet store, and you bring them home, and the dog lays in it. And But if you go up and you sort of lay on it, you'll realize you're really just laying on the floor yourself. Mike, here's what I want you to do. And if you're listening to the podcast, here's what I want you to do. Mike, you have a computer or your phone in front of you or something. Or you just sent me the picture of your friends, uh, dog um sally crawford right with the big barker dog bed newly purchased big big barker dog bed right so if you go on our instagram or just go to rights to ricky sanchez.com slash process pups you can see the dogs with the big barker dog bed and you can see the enormous difference you can just look at the picture of it and see the enormous difference between that and these other quote-unquote dog beds, that these things keep the dogs four or five inches off the ground. It's real cushioning. Think about how you would feel laying on the floor uh, as opposed to laying on a real mattress. Think about how you would feel in the morning. Like one of our uh, listeners said on Twitter this week, don't lay on the hardwood, slap it, right? You don't want your bed laying on, your dog laying on the hardwood. That's why you need a big Barker therapeutic dog bed. And honestly, for honestly, if we, dogs, can, if we can get some a dog slapping the hardwood, that would be <laughs> that, that would a be really huge. nice addition to yeah. our family. Um, especially bigger dogs, they, as they get older, they develop arthritis, and sleeping on these fake, cheap, awful beds is like the worst thing for them. Go to bigbarker.com/ricky. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. You can find out more about the bed and you can get your dog bed with the free Ricky upgrade, the cover with a tastefully embroidered RTRS logo on it. Um, A good mattress will promote enhanced energy in your dog and mobility levels. It'll reduce wear and tear in younger dogs. It's especially important in dogs over 50 pounds since over 80% of them will develop arthritis as they age. The Big Barker dog beds are engineered by experts to keep your dogs youthful for longer and brings older dogs back to their best. All the dogs look super happy, especially, did you see Mortimer, the new one? I've never oh, seen a more good. apt 
a more aptly named dog than Mortimer. Uh, 10-year warranty. The foam won't flatten or they'll replace it for free. One-year at-home trial. If you don't like it, send it back. They'll even pay for it. Made in the USA. And Eric, the owner, is a truster of the process uh, right here in Philadelphia. So get your Big Barker dog bed. Uh, your dog will thank you for it. Big Barker dog beds. <laughs> I can't wait to do that at the lottery party. Oh, wow. I can't wait. love it. Yeah. So a good Dario offensive game is now he didn't you mentioned he was there was a lot of flumpy clumping in there. It it wasn't one of the ones that we saw during the season where he was where it was like a lot of running and very smooth. Uh like we saw some of those games in the regular season. This was a good version of him against the Celtics. You know, it was still mm-hmm. sort of um it was uh, you know, clunky and uh, the shot still doesn't look like it looked during the season. It still looks sort of flat. But a, a good Dario, it almost seems like if Dario has a good game offensively, it would be difficult for the Sixers to lose. Like that is, he seems like a like the difference, I think, a lot of times. Um, and him, what did he score, 25 points tonight? Yeah. Yeah. So um, a great game from Dario. And, and was, you know, there was, thing, one, there was one specific possession ahead. while we're on Dario is yep. he still tough defensively, still, I think, played Horford really well tonight. Uh, but there was one time when he has to switch on to Tatum occasionally. And there was one time when Tatum was just dying to take a three. And he did, he did that little, like, sidestep dribble into another three. And Dario just stayed light on his feet and stayed right with him. And he couldn't. And he forced a tough shot or he forced him to pass it up or something. And it was that was a huge stop in the fourth quarter that, like, really stopped any momentum that was going Boston's way. And uh, whenever Dario makes a defensive play, because he's so overmatched on that end, just physically, not not mentally and not, not effort-wise, it's just that he's just not he, – he has heavy feet. But this was a play when you watch him and you're like, oh, he stayed, like, light on his feet and, and was able to contest after, like, an initial contest. And that's – I'm just proud of him. He had a hell of a game. God bless his heart. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, even though he looks, this is a, a bad series for him, a bad, a bad matchup for Dario. Now, I don't want people to think, I, we're, we're definitely prisoners of the moment. And, you know, that's one of the things when people are talking about, the way they talk about Brett, uh, prisoners of the moment, even people saying they should get faults in there. Like, I think, like, I, I had this I had this moment where I was like oh, have you not been around like for the last 5 months or you think the thing that's going to swing this series is is putting faults in um but one of the things with Dario is you know not every team that you play during the year is going to have four athletic wing guys that make it hard for Dario to stay on the court now you, we need next year, obviously, more guys like that. So we yep. have another option when we're facing up, uh, facing a team like this. And maybe it means fewer minutes for Dario in a series like that. But you're going to play plenty of teams during the year that he's going to be able to be plenty effective against. But this team right here, when they're playing, you know, when they're playing uh, Brown and Tatum and Smart together, it's that's tough. You know, and a point yeah. guard and Rozier that that's tough for him. That's a tough and all, and my, to some extent, Miami was the same way. They had they also have those guys that they can just seem like endless amounts of guys they can throw in there and be like a long athletic body to either put pressure on him on 
defense or make him work for it on offense. So I th- I think were the Sixers to advance a team like Toronto or Cleveland, there are better matchups there for Dario where he could even have more opportunity to do his thing. But yeah, so so far tough, that. but it's I mean this was this is just a grind it out. Like he just willed himself to do it. I, I always think about how uh, TJ talks about how much Dario hates to lose. And I think you could see it tonight that he was just really pissed off and embarrassed. Didn't he say something like he, like that's all he thinks about? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he, just, that, he said he just doesn't want to stop playing basketball. He loves these guys, loves his team. A lot of good guys in this team. It's, uh, I just want to keep appreciating that. And speaking of good guys, I want to, I want to talk about Covington for a minute. Um, you know, I thought he, uh, whereas in game three, defensively, he looked sort of lost along with missing the, the shots. Mm-hmm. Tonight, I thought he made some really good passes. He came up with a couple of pretty tough rebounds. Um, he, he had two, pla- some... two passes on like back-to-back possessions. One was, I think, yep. to Ilyasova over like the back shoulder to the basket. Yep. That was a huge pass. And then right the next one was like a nice little... Uh, sort of spinning inlet to Embiid that or Ilyasova Embiid that allowed him to finish, and so it's like it's nice to see him do other things sometimes. Yeah, and he he played good defense I thought tonight, and this is what I want to say about him. And I look, I know we all want the Sixers to win, and we all want them to play as best as they can possibly play, but um, and I understand the frustration, but and I. <laughs> If this will sound homery, he doesn't want to miss shots. Like he, I, I'm sure in in his heart of hearts, um, the last time that he wants to have a cold streak is during uh, a playoff series against the Celtics. But the guy is busting his ass out there. He made other plays, diving on and, the floor. He yep had a clean block on Aaron Baines that they called a foul on. Yes, on a huge block on Aaron Baines when Aaron Baines had a head full of steam yeah. toward the basket and he got up there and two-hand blocked it. Um, he is he has been here like he is a true success story of all of this. He's been here for, you know, 3 years of this. Um, I just like let's all remember for a minute that the last thing that he wants is for, I can the the thing that you can get mad at is when a guy is not trying or when a guy is not busting his ass. But when shots aren't going in, look, he's they should be able to win games when he's not great offensively. He he is not a he is a bonus for them and he makes them better. But uh, but he is not the the absolute key to this team. So I want I want everyone to remember that. And I like I I want him to get through this. I think he will get through this. And um, I thought it, you know, it takes a lot. Uh, plenty of guys could mope about being sent to the bench during this for, for TJ McConnell, of all people, to be sent to the bench. But I think he probably sort of identifies with that and wants them to win overall. Um, I hope he's not at the lottery party because I hope they're playing that night. But if he, if assuming he is at the lottery party, if the Sixers don't finish this comeback, um, it is an opportunity for all of us to, like, to salute where he's come from and thank him for a great year. And I, 
you know, I was proud of him tonight for uh, for making the plays that he did. And even the dude, I want him to fucking keep shooting. I know that sounds crazy. Of course, he has to. He's. He's never going to know. I think he made this point earlier in the year. He's never going to know when the cold streak is over unless he keeps shooting the ball. That's how it works. You yeah. know, like you, you don't just feel it all of a sudden that, okay, the shot's going to go in or you miss one of them and you're like, well, I'm not going to shoot anymore. He has to keep shooting. That's the way it is. Um, and he hit a big shot tonight, you know, off a, I think it was off a TJ assist. But um, I was proud of the, the game that he played tonight and his relentless pursuit of the Wendy's. Um, two missed sure. free throws For in sure. a row is like nothing. I've never seen a player participate in a promotion like that, like like Covington does. It's amazing. So. Uh, we will. You can guarantee weekly or now gamely Covington apologist section. <laughs> we're, we're, we're here for it. We'll do it every time. I mean, he's Bobby yeah. Breu. He's absolutely Bobby Breu. Like he's the guy. Does does things on both ends, and it looks like he doesn't care. Because that's the way his face looks, and that's the way but he, he does. Runs. But he does. He's great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about the shooting, because they keep missing shots. Everybody does. A lot it of wasn't shots. just Covington. Urson yeah. missed two wide open looks. Bellinelli's missed a ton. Uh, TJ's the only one that didn't miss. Think about that. Um, Embiid, I think they made a conscious effort. I think he's taken the Aaron Baines shooting threes thing a little personally because he's like, fuck you, I have to go guard you on the three-point line now, you piece of shit. Uh, and now he, I think he had two threes within the first like three minutes of the game to attempt it. Uh, JJ missed a bunch, three of 11, one for seven from three. There's still like the fact that like Boston's still playing him tough for sure defensively, and, and I think – the Sixers got out in transition a little bit more tonight, helped with helpful TJ and and just uh, Boston missing shots as well. But the shots still just aren't falling, and like uh, it's frustrating to watch because you you get a couple good plays together and some good passes, and you get an open look, and it just doesn't happen. Um, but it also gives me hope for, you know, if we steal Game Five in Boston because the Sixers finally just shoot like. 50% from three for the game, which they've done a bunch of times in the past few months. They just haven't done it this series. Then that's, then, then we're talking, then it's a series and we can talk about the rest of the game, but it's, it's frustrating to watch them. Maybe it's Boston getting them out of the rhythm. Maybe it's just, it just happens. It'd be nice to get a good three point shooting game together and, and feel like we can, we're the better team again because they shot. I mean, it's crazy that Boston has hit more threes than us this this series by a lot. When we shoot more generally, and we're the better shooting team generally. So, yeah, the I think it was uh, the band Kevin O'Connor who mentioned on a uh, a Ringer. I think it was on a Ringer NBA show uh, that man. I think that's where I heard it. I can't remember where I heard it that. For the last five years, you know, when you talk about defending three-point shooting, most of of what people say is you can't really like the good the, the teams that are good against the three actually prevent you from shooting the three. That you can't really have much of an effect on on the opponent's percentage, three-point percentage. But the Celtics for the last five years have been top five in opponents' three-point percentage, and. I don't know how many years you have to do that before there is some sort of proof that 
they're doing something. Maybe they're limiting corner threes. Maybe that's why the percentage is lower. I, I like I didn't look at that, but you just have the, the way the Celtics play defensively makes. I, I don't know why we're missing shots, but may, and maybe it's because they may make you work harder to get those shots. I don't know what it is, or maybe you you know that they're bearing down on you and it gets in your head but they've made the entire series about as ugly as as the Sixers can play and i think the it just seems like the missed threes come along with it you know i it's it's terrible i mean uh now reddick had a really good game 3 right was yeah. it game 3 that reddick shot well mm-hmm. yeah uh, and i'll tell you bellinelli um God, so, I, sucks. He, he sucks. I, I, I will always have a special place in my heart for the confetti shot, uh, especially coming <laughs> off how much we're always going to hate him. I will still, even though that game turned out horribly, I'll still, I think that I just enjoyed it so much as it happened and the confetti went off and it wasn't a real game ender that I, that it's always going to make me feel happy. But um, he's bad. Like he's, I mean, even... I like he he made a couple cuts and that was nice and I. Why does he fall down on every layup after a cut? Oh, quite a bit, quite a few, <laughs> quite a few. He he tried on defense to pick up Tatum at half court a couple times, and Tatum, it was just one dribble and immediately by him. Like it wasn't even a move. It wasn't anything. It was like all right, I'm gonna get him half court. Oh, he's gone. And it's just like man, at least stay home. At least. Don't give him a full head of steam. Something, anything. It's, it's bad, and I, I really, truly don't know why. In a game like this, when it's physical and it's grinded out, and even when we have the lead, like we were leading in the fourth or in, uh, into the third, into the fourth, by a bit, and I don't know why you don't go to Justin Anderson. I don't, I don't know why. I, you know, rebounding, length, defense, hustle. Bellinelli just can't keep up with a lot of these guys and get so easily moved around. And when he's shooting two of 10 from the field, it's not like he's given you much of anything anyway. So I, I well, would really was... like to see some, some Justin Anderson, especially if Covington, Covington was in foul trouble for a while, had a bunch of dumb fouls early. And so it's like, you don't have Cov, you're sort of light at the wing anyway. I don't know why you don't go to Justin Anderson for a little bit of, just some juice, anything. He must. Brett just must not really trust him at all. Yeah. Well, when when they asked him about him, he said, you know, he first of all, I noticed last week that Brett Brown says the word spirit in every press availability. Everyone, the, it he never misses. Yeah, he has so his I, things for sure. Yeah, he said that Justin Anderson plays with a spirit and an energy. He said, but he 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 made sure to say that we're having trouble scoring and we need as much offense out there as we can. So I think he just, he doesn't look, I, I I think Anderson brings energy. I don't, I don't trust his shot really. It looks better than it did last year for sure. And I want the guy to be good, but even the defense looks like a lot of, uh, you know, mistaking activity for effectiveness. Maybe sometimes. Maybe. Let me ask you something. If you had a choice between Marco coming off the screen with a guy blanketed on him and he's taking like a, parallel to the ground shot versus Anderson off a swing when like people are way late to contest who would you rather have taking the shot what do you think is a better 
Is that for like the the, the game? If I'm, no, or, for like a momentum three in like the yeah. late third. Can I be? I'll be honest with you. There is a part of me that even when the Bellinelli threes go in, I'm annoyed that he shot it that way. Yeah. Like I I take apps. I'm just being honest. I'm I think sure it's fair. he's a a very nice person. I take almost. You know, when he hits a big shot and I'm there, it's, honestly, the ones that are wide open, I'm okay with. I put my arms in the air. I cheer. For but sure. the falling away one, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? How? Like, There's got to be a better way to do this. Yeah. I, I'd go with the Anderson one. Just, I think, that, I, think I, that's I, right. I, I don't know why. I, there's, especially when it's early-ish in the clock or at least not late, I, there's got to be a better shot that he can get. I get that he's confident and he wants to take those shots, but, man, some of those are just like a real – momentum killer because you're like that's the shot we got this possession if it goes in you're like all right fine but it doesn't often i don't know i mean he I, again he's been very valuable to us and i think his shooting opened up a lot of a lot of things for this team during the during the stretch but it's playoffs he's got to be taking good shots or he can't play because he's not doing anything defensively and i i think i think even just hey it's game five and this was a physical game well guess what we're gonna play the the 200 however 230 pound linebacker to punch you in the mouth for 10 minutes and here's Justin Anderson maybe getting a fight having a time. yeah getting anything yeah. it was physical Terry Rogier's punching Joel Embiid in the chest that's how high he can reach it's it's like get him in there let's see it let's see what happens be physical I think a, an amazing moment was in the arena after the Rogier Embiid thing they you know they were doing the crowd shots as they were dancing because there was like a timeout or something and they showed Embiid and they went right to him uh like doing boxing moves and laughing and like pointing down as if he was talking about Rogier it was awesome it was great uh he had him what do you think what did you think about that I know you could you probably didn't see it as many times as I did but Man, well, double technical I, for that is they're just calling double technicals. They just don't want to make any decisions whatsoever. And so they're just going to say both sides, double technical. Well, keep this thing it, moving. Seemed like, it seemed like Embiid was being really annoying there. Like he kept trying to knock the ball out of Rogier's hands after the, the play was over. So, But that is different than basically swinging at a guy, which is what Rogier did which is what you're not allowed to do. He tried to start a fight. Like You're allowed to be annoying. You're not allowed to try to start a fight. Yeah, but plenty so. of those guys, especially in the last like year or two, have been doing the like try to knock the ball out of the guy's hand yeah, after that's a what I'm saying. foul or something, that's which what I'm is saying. annoying for sure, But and, yeah. and a very troll move that Marcus Smart has done 100 times. But like you don't get to swing at him. And that, if you swing yep. at him, that's a that's got to be a T or an ejection or something. It's crazy that they were just like double technical. Who cares? It's fine. And <laughs> yeah. If, if, if that was... If that was Draymond that does that, he's out for the series. Well, Draymond's a, a dick. He's yeah, but that. I mean, like, it's, yeah, it's yeah. if you swing, then you swung. It's it. Yeah. I, I thought it was crazy. I mean, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter, but I just I, think, I think that every ref is just too scared to actually make a decision. And so they just say double technical to, to not have to, to punt the call. I want, I want to bring up for a second uh, our very own Mike Weber and the Michael Weber Memorial Band List. And Mike sent me a tweet after the game, shot me a text, and it was a tweet from one uh, William Simmons, uh, known as Bill Simmons. 
And the tweet was, uh, we finally found someone who could stop Brad Stevens, the refs, or something like that. And leave it to disgusting Boston fans to be like hockey fans and blame the refs for, for the loss. The refs are not why the Celtics lost. And I've been thinking about this for a while now. Um, because we've spoken for a while that, um, you know, we want Bill to say the name and blah, 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 so on and so forth. We, I, you know, we challenged Kevin O'Connor to it. And uh, I would like to, with your permission, uh, announce that the newest member of the Michael Weber Memorial Band list is Bill Simmons. He is banned from the podcast. Great. Get him out. He- He's gone. Okay. He's, he's gone. Banned. Even if he were he's, to request it. He's never on. coming back on this nope. podcast. <laughs> no. Nope. He and Doris Burke can take a walk. Neither they can be of on their on own podcast. podcast and do that. <laughs> By the way, I, I had a, a number of Celtics fans uh, in my life and in my Twitter mentions talking about the refs all game. The free throw shooting was even. 26 free throws each. There were plenty of times when... Boston fouled us. They, there was grabbing, there was throwing, there was elbowing. Marcus Smart flopped a number of times. It was shitty. It was normal officiating on both sides. It happens. Saying that, like, being up 3-0 and complaining about the refs is just such a, such like a really character-defining move. Just like look at them and be like, yes, I, I'm up 3-0 and have been the benefit of, like, a lot of fortune because we're, we're up 3-0 in the series that we don't deserve to be up 3-0 in. And as soon as there's any adversity, it's the refs. Well, Jalen Brown's been holding on to a Sixers jersey for like 85% of the series. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, 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 I'm not, uh, it's not that crazy that he had a few fouls tonight. It really isn't. It's not that, it's not that out of bounds, I don't think. So, um, hey, the, uh, the lottery party is in eight days. I know. And... A lot, of, a lot of people, when they're listening to this, it will be one week away. Um, that's pretty exciting. I believe that we're going to get the number one pick, the Lakers. Very exciting that we're going to be doing the, uh, the live Ricky there at 7 o'clock. Um, the entire timeline is up on the website, on rightsrickysanchez.com. Pictures with the Rebel at 5. 5 bucks goes to charity. You can get your picture with the Sam Hinkie banner. Um, that's I, at eleven hundred. I'm, I'm doing a little uh, editing thing. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much of it. I don't want people to be expecting it, so don't give anything away. But we got a little, little, little video presentation. Oh, oh, right. And I shouldn't say what it's. Uh, should I say what it's attached to or no? Not? No, no, no. Okay. So the video present. Okay. So we'll have the Sam Hinkie banner. That's based. So the. the the Rebel and the Sam Hinkie thing, basically from 5 o'clock on, the Sam Hinkie banner will be available for pictures until about 6.50, Rebel, as long as he lasts. Five bucks each, both go to our charities. Um, and, uh, by the way, Big Barker is matching the Rebel donations, which oh. is great. Um, party officially starts at 6. If you have a VIP ticket, that's when your food and drink starts. The Live Ricky will start at 7. Um, but just before the live Ricky starts, be in position at about 6.50 for this video presentation. Um, then as soon as the, 
uh, Live Ricky is over. The wedding will begin. Lauren and Zeke went and got their rings from L.L. Pavorsky today. Um, they're working with Weber on their vows. I was in touch with Pablo Torre uh, earlier this week. He'll be on time. He's ready to go. And then there's the lottery, and hopefully at some point there's a Sixers game that night too. Also, the above 21 Shirley Temples made with Rita's Italian Cherry Ice. So thanks to Rita's for their donation. And there will be about 2,000 Sam Hinkie and Rights to Ricky Sanchez lottery or ping pong balls. And that is thanks to the casino at Delaware Park. Wow. So that's it. Yeah. It's in a week, man. It's crazy. I'm pretty excited. Yeah, I'm nervous as always. I got a couple. Everybody show up. I got a couple more game things. Yeah, if you'll allow me. Yeah, Um, please. You're allowed. There were there was at the end of the first half there was that Redick Embiid pick and roll that resulted in the Embiid dunk. Yep. And I just don't know why we don't see that more. I just don't. Obviously, he's he's bad at dribbling. But he's he can take a couple. Agree with you. I know. I know you always you're always on your dribbling high horse. (laughs) Have have been since that. But, I like dribbling, yeah. But he, he can take a couple, and he's a decent passer. And I just think, like, even even if J.J., and he's gotten better at driving to the basket this season, but even just the idea that you either have to have a big man switch on a J.J. and try to contest a shot, and it's usually Baines, sometimes Horford, or you have Embiid on whoever's covering J.J., and it's usually Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier, just making them switch or making them make decisions or be late on that, on that contest, that that's tough to guard. That's just there. There are many uh, ways we can beat you within that, and I just want to see it more. And I feel like it's successful. I know Marcus. I know Mar- Markel Fultz is the guy that is going to eventually be this pick and roll, open up the pick and roll game of the Sixers, uh, which they need to have a consistent half court game. But I, JJ's a good enough shooter, where I mean, even off the dribble, where he can give you damage and I really I'd really love to see that. I Embiid had a couple rolls to the basket. Simmons found him found him once and then he overshot him on the other time and then just Embiid rolling to the basket is a really scary proposition for the other team and I want to make them fear that all the time and, I, and so that is something that I wish we saw more. Obviously this team is predicated upon transition and getting getting threes in transition, but when that's not happening just let him set a screen. He sets a screen on Shane Larkin, breaks Shane Larkin's fucking shoulder. Like, let him be a huge guy setting screens and then roll to the basket to destroy some people, right? Break Shane Larkin's fucking shoulder. That is, that's a t-shirt, baby. That's definitely a t-shirt. I, I agree with you. I, I think a lot of times when people talk about the um, Embiid offensively, I think there are a couple of things... And, and him looking sluggish and inefficient offensively. I think there's a couple of things we have to remember. I think one thing is the mask has to be affecting him on, on some level. And I think his conditioning is not it, – it hasn't been where you'd want it to be all year, but I think it's a little bit even worse now. Um, but the other thing – and the other thing is he's a little too sloppy with the ball. But the, the biggest issue is that so much of his offense just comes from him creating his own offense because they don't really have a, a, a pick-and-roll guy. They don't have a pick-and-roll ball handler. To You can't think of a, a really good big man in the NBA who generates a lot of offense who doesn't have at least a, a decent percentage of it coming from pick-and-roll. And they, they don't do that. They just they, they don't have that guy. So I, 
I agree that they they have to throw it in there sometimes because I I just want to see Embiid get a few easy buckets in there, um, and I think it adds an extra element. You can try it with TJ, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. See what you get out of it. Yeah, he's certainly quick enough with the ball. Uh, yeah. The other thing, did we talk about this? Markel chanting for TJ on the bench during the TJ chance. So I didn't see it until I I got home. Um, that's awesome. That's yeah. incredible. That's cool. Yeah. I yeah. It makes me really. I mean, you know, it's a different situation, obviously. But you see, like Kawhi's not wasn't with the Spurs, and he's a veteran, and he's got his own superstar camp that's doing whatever with him. Who knows? But the fact that Fultz is there and with the team, and he's clearly had a weird year, and we're figuring out what the hell happened, and hopefully he comes back next year, the same guy that we drafted. But the fact that he's there and excited and, and definitely a part of the team and, and beloved by these guys, and he loves them, it's just like a really nice... Again, you talk about culture, and people worry about the Sixers losing culture during the, pro- po- during the process, and it was just bullshit. It's always been bullshit. Brett has established something really special here, and Fultz is even with his weird year buying into it and being happy for his boy is it rules. It's really it made me almost cry. Well, you, you talked about Brett Brown there and what he's helped build um, with the players. You know, his, he's got one year left on his deal after this year. I just want to make it clear that there is no way, no way on, on this earth that, Brett Brown should go into next year without a new contract. In fact, um, in fact, they should extend him like today or tomorrow, going yeah. into Game Five. Yeah, it, I, honestly, I think it could give them a, like a little boost. That look, the only thing they have to lose, and here's why I think it's it's so necessary, is that the only thing they have to lose is money, right? I mean, there was at one point this franchise seemed like they were paying fucking four coaches they're probably playing mo cheeks twice um you know at the same time so they have to do it they have to there is no excuse for brett brown to go into next season i will not allow it i will pay for a fucking billboard all on my own if we even come anywhere close to um him not having a new contract going into next year it's gotta happen it will just want to say it will it's gotta happen um just want to credit the defense a little bit more because not only were they did they force tough shots, but they also forced tough passes. There were like a lot of times during the game when you saw a couple off-target Celtics passes, whether it was miscommunication, like guy thought he was going to cut pass out of bounds instead. That happened to Horford a couple times, Horford and Brown, I think. But even just like regular passes, they were just they were there were so many arms everywhere that it slowed the offense down when like the ball was like at somebody's feet and they had to pick it up and sort of like restart whatever they were doing there. So I. I think the defensive pressure was really good tonight. And again, it starts with TJ, yeah. but it also starts, Embiid was also all over the place, and Simmons was getting his hands everywhere, Dario as well. And that's just the kind of intensity and sense of urgency that this team has to play with. And they, I don't want to say they didn't have it in games two and three. They didn't have it in game one as much as they should have, but they didn't have it. I think they did have it in games two and three. They just, you know, you lose. I, I, I think that. Tonight's game, it's easy to say that they had more urgency tonight because they did win, but I think they played with a with a consistency tonight that there were no there were no mental lapses for long periods of time and when the whole team was deciding to like fuck up. That that never happened. But 
they have been playing with urgency. I think we saw it more tonight, but they still have been playing with. I, I, we talked about it last time, but I think people don't want to admit like how how much luck plays into things and how much chance and randomness and every everything. It's it, there wants to be a sports narrative about stuff, and this is why this team won because they have it and they know how to win, and this team lost because they weren't focused and the coach didn't do it. Whatever. It's like there's a million things that goes into every game, and Sometimes you just miss shots, and then the narrative builds itself, and yeah, whatever. And sim, and well, you know, well, I mean, it, think about the last game. Think about the last game. If Bellinelli's foot is six inches further back, yeah, you know, yeah, that changes or, a lot. Or or Simmons pulls that ball out, or yeah. Simmons doesn't make that pass to Embiid that allows Horford to step inside, and Embiid seals him off better. Any of those things happening, and then we're talking about a different thing. And well, it doesn't sorry. mean the Sixers. No, I just that doesn't mean the Sixers yeah. are. Deserve to lose every game doesn't mean the Celtics are some like uh, impenetrable gods and Brad Stevens is a wizard. It's it's a lot of luck. It's a lot of just like oh shit that happened and then you see who won and lost. I I it's 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 more fun to talk about sports as if there's like this this predestined thing happening and the teams that are supposed to win actually win and this is always meant to be blah blah blah. But I just don't think it's the case. I think that's bullshit. And uh, this this series could easily be three one Sixers. It's three one Celtics. They got to do what they have to do. But um, I I think reading too far into things that like spinning the whole uh, situation into this is who these guys are and they don't they they didn't learn to win and they don't know anything. It's just like they fucked up. They fucked up a couple times. They fucked up at the wrong time. The ball bounced the other way. Had anything else happened, it would have been different. Yeah, I think, too, there's a difference between those things when a, when you believe that a team is much, much better than the other team. Like, if it is Golden State and Portland, and I think we would all agree that Golden State would be like a, you know, minus 1,200 favorite in that, then I think there is something to the the, the worst team doing something stupid and the better team finding a way to pull it out a couple of times. But these two teams are pretty evenly matched. I, you know, I, I, uh, I don't go back on the fact that I think Boston is a more cohesive, complete team than the Sixers are right now. And I think yeah. that's one of the reasons why they're up three, one, but one, you know, the other thing too, is that especially when people are talking about Brett and somebody like Ben makes the mistake that, that he made with 19 seconds left on the clock. And the answer a lot of times is, well, Brett has to prepare them for that. I don't know what people think a coach does during a timeout. Like, does he go through each and every possible scenario that could happen during that play um, and hope, you know, like there's, there's a lot of it is just uh, of is understanding basketball and, doing the right thing intuitively and sometimes they don't do it you know i these these guys you, these guys are in their first play the the younger guys are in their first playoff series they're going to get tight and they're not going to perform to the best of their ability all the time they're just not they're they're uh they're going to make mistakes like that it doesn't mean that the coach fucked up um you know and you're right there is a lot of luck you know, there's there's a lot of luck in the history. Of, the one that I always like to bring up is imagine that Vince Carter shot against the Sixers in the yeah. playoffs was yeah. like 
three inches over. You know, there's no stepping over Tyron Lue and all that. There's a lot of it is luck. A lot of it. Yeah. Well, we could use a little bit more. Um, yeah. A couple, a couple more things. Luck uh, and TJ. Luck and TJ. Yeah. The Cavs are about to win, which means yeah. the Sixers will be playing by themselves on uh, on Wednesday night. So no more early tips, no more 6 a.m. tips. I, I did like the early tip. I know you really did. did. I'm sure you did. Yeah. I'm sure you did. Well, Coach of the Year, Dwayne Casey. Thank God. That's Thank tough. God. They should have won a couple of those games, too, just we were talking about luck. One of those tip-ins goes in. It's a different thing. I feel bad for him. I'm more of a Toronto guy than you are, but I, you, I feel You know I why I don't feel bad? Well, I, I feel bad for us because we're going to fucking end up with DeMar DeRozan this offseason. <laughs> ah, who knows? Long time. Uh, a couple of the, ben, I love Ben looking up court and trying to make uh, like big transition plays out of nothing, but a couple ill-advised big lobs full court to like Urson and Marco and TJ. It's like, that's not the kind of, those aren't really the guys you want to put up a jump ball yeah. to and say, hey, go chase this down. That, that, that kind of stuff's got to be cleaned out. Um, dude, I, dude, Ben's 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 like not in his element right now, you know. Yeah. Ben is. This is. Um, I this this is not an indictment on Ben for for the rest of his career at all, for sure. But this is. Ben is Ben is. I I keep saying it. Like Ben's a little shook by this whole thing. The the Celtics have done something that has put him in a place where he is. N- really unsure of almost everything he does. Uh, Rich Hoffman wrote, uh, Rich Hoffman, who who did not subtweet me about the LeBron thing, wrote a whole thing about uh, his his not attacking mismatches in the last game. Yeah. He's just, he's not, he's not on right now. He did it more he's tonight. In. He did it more tonight, for sure. Uh, he, he took guys into the post and made a concerted effort to take a couple shots. The jumper didn't look good tonight at all. Um, but he had a couple plays around the basket. I mean, he still ended up with, in 33 minutes, 19, 13, 5, and 2, and a plus 5. Shot 7 of 8 from the line, which is encouraging. Because uh, Boston tried to get back in it at the end, one last effort, by like just fouling him a bunch. And so it's nice that he hit those shots, because just any any bit of confidence going forward. Uh, and it's got to feel weird for him to, to all of a sudden TJ starting, and so it's like, well, what does this mean about me? stuff. So he is still a rookie. He's still figuring it out. But he played... Is he 100 percent? No, uh, did he make mistakes for sure. But I, 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 there was some encouragement tonight. Any any game that ends with like a bunch of Simmons dunks, I feel good about. And yeah, he had a bunch tonight, and that that I think just will give him momentum going forward. And the other thing I'll say is that uh, Sixers had 16 offensive rebounds tonight. The Celtics pretty much don't go for the offensive rebounds because they they want to stop transition opportunities. So the Sixers uh, out-rebounded them offensively, 16-6. to six. And that helps. Uh, a lot of second-chance buckets, a lot of buckets from turnovers. Those kinds of things are how, are how the Sixers are going to win because Boston is not a team that's going to really beat themselves. So any second chances and, and, and clean looks the Sixers can get out of it is, is going to help. Uh, and then the last thing, our old friend Stan Van Gundy got fired today. I was waiting for you to bring that up. Thank God. And well, you know, I never want to see anyone um, be out of a job. See, I disagree. But when you're a sh- when you're a shit bag, uh, who? Oh, go ahead. This one's all yours. Go well, ahead. So, I mean, somebody else is going to get that job. That'll, that'll yeah, be, that's a good point. A, it, it is a zero sum game. There's not going to end up being right. end up being more than thirty coaches in the NBA. 
Right. We're not losing jobs. We're, you know, there's, there's, there's no jobs being created nor denied. Yes. In this. Detroit's so not folding and eliminating the position of head coach. Uh, although that'd be an interesting tactic and maybe it'd work for them. Just a real, it's so nice to watch a guy who was, who has just shit on the Sixers for so long and the process and just, he makes his big trade for Blake Griffin. Finally, you have your star, and he has no interest in really playing, and they're not a good team, and you miss out on the playoffs by a lot, and then all of a sudden you're out of a job after this big big move that you now saddled this franchise with where fans don't give a shit anyway because you've been a middling team with no ceiling or floor for since Ben Wallace was there. And so, you know, you look around and maybe the fact that there's no way out of this mediocrity means the process is coming for you, Detroit. And Stan Van Gundy will not be there to see it through because he is dealing with a breached anal wall caused by me punching his asshole repeatedly for the last five years. (laughs) Stan, enjoy retirement, buddy. We still got some playoff games to play in Philadelphia. Would there be anything more more poetic than Sam Hinkie replacing Stan Van Gundy as president of basketball? Uh, I don't want to I don't want it to end up in Detroit. I don't want to. I've talked about this with some people, but I don't no. No, no, no. He's no? too good. He's too good to be in Detroit. They don't give a shit. Go somewhere else. I I would I would have wanted to see him go like to New York and see what he could do with the Knicks or go LA or something like that. That, then it would be cool to see, like, what's, do a different thing with a different kind of rope for Sam to, to play around with. I don't think he's just going to go somewhere and just do the process over again. No, um, no, no, of course. But yeah. I, I think he'll look for a different kind of market inefficiency or market advantage to, to, to play that way. But it would be great if we were totally wrong and he just went somewhere else, like, four different times and just did the process. Yeah. He gets, like he's he like, a, like, he's like, you know, I've, he starts handing out business cards. He's like, look, I do one yeah. thing. I do it well. Here's what you're going to get. It becomes like a quote, like he's a car guy. Yeah. I do the process. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we have another game on Wednesday night. So, uh, do you think, news. do you think same, same starting lineup? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do you think absolutely. just, do you think Justin Anderson gets any run? Nope. He played 46 nope. seconds tonight, so you would have been wrong. Right at the end. You would have been wrong tonight. Right at the end. Yeah. I I think, uh, I think uh, honestly, I think Brett runs with this lineup until the Sixers are done playing, to be honest with you. T- the, the, like this, this playoffs, I think TJ starts the rest of the playoffs. 39 minutes, a plus 18, yep. 19.75 for our guy. He played 39 minutes, and I bet he's somewhere able to play another 39, looking for another game somewhere to dominate. It was awesome. Hey, and if you're listening to this, I'll put it in the post of the on Rice Ricky Sanchez for this podcast. If you're newish and have not listened to the live podcast with TJ McConnell that we did in October where he predicted playoffs, uh, he called Joel Embiid the second coming of Christ, and he uh, just torched Cleveland. You you should really listen to it. I'll put it. It's on our feed. It happened in October, but I'll put it in this post as well. I'd like to see Embiid go to the foul line more than ten times in in Game Five. He got he went well, to the line he, twice. That's not enough. Uh, look, yeah, he's either getting fouled or he needs to make 
he he he's missed a bunch of bunnies in yeah. the last two games. It seems like. All right, we will talk to you Wednesday night. The TJ game, the TJ game, the TJ game. Let's have another one. Let's uh, one twenty nine and one. That's the motto. Did you see uh, Embiid's T-shirt? Yeah, history will be retweeted. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> That's our bit, buddy. You can have it, but it was oh, ours. Oh, by the way, I didn't want to. I didn't want TJ to slap the hardwood tonight. Slapping it down three zero is is kind of rough. I think that would okay. be. Rough. So I was glad that it didn't happen tonight. If it ha- if if it happens in Game Six, back in Philly. I'm on board, but okay. Let's wait until game six. But I gotta tell you, I I would have liked a hardwood slap today. Sure. I mean, I emotionally it would have been. Maybe it was the wrong move. Maybe TJ's holding for the right time. Yeah. But I think he's. I would have lost it. my he's, shit. He's thinking you know? about it for sure. Yeah. All right, man. All right. We'll talk to you Wednesday night. Uh, are you down with TTP? Yeah. You know, lick face. With confidence. I like it. We are the murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have power to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Bumpers and downers get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to turn.